How many of you have your Bibles here this morning? I'm going to let the Word do a lot of speaking here today. We are doing a third recording titled Experience God, and I'm going to emphasize it just like I did in the other first two. We could say experiencing God, like in a present tense, but I'm saying to you in a present tense, experience God. It's very important that you experience God. And just a quick review, why is it so important to experience God? To understand Him. Because of experiencing God, understanding comes forth. And Job 28 and 28 says, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. When you have understanding, it gives you the ability to depart from evil. When you experience God, you're just not just knowing of God or what somebody told you about God. You have a firsthand experience of God. You know Him. As Jesus said in John 17 and 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the true God, and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. So when you look at the order of God, and it's a, you can call it a hierarchy, you can call it a pecking order, it's the authority of God. Paul laid it out in his writings pretty plain. You got God, and you got Jesus. You got the husband, and you got the wife. And according to Paul's writings, I believe it's in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, he shows that the husband and the wife work together like Jesus in the church. He instructs them, husbands, love your wives as Christ so loved the church. And he tells the church or the wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as in the Lord. And, you know, that has been perverted at times over the years where the woman is oppressed by religion and by man and by manipulators and, and evil leadership. But when you look at it from the eyes of God, it's beautiful. It, it is a wonderful order because as the husband is in the place of Christ and is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, in return, the church or the wife submits herself uh, unto her husband or the church so, submits to Jesus Christ. And that woman, we talked a lot about the woman in this conference. As a matter of fact, I need to finish that thought, but I'm going to share some stuff about uh, the conference that we just had in Donnelly, Idaho, where all uh, 14 of us elders were there. And I, I know you say 14 elders. Yes, seven men and seven wives. 14 elders grouped together, joined together by the Lord that God has ordained for us to be the leadership of Living Fellowship. You with me? But the, the woman, <clears throat> Paul said at the end of this, this is a great mystery. Uh, look that up, Walker, where that is. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church as he's talking about submission. And he's talking about how the uh, uh, Christ submits to God, the husband submits to Christ, the wife submits to her husband. And, but that wife, think about this, the women, you women, how important you really are. And even as being the wife is a mother. She governs the church. The children or those that are young in the church should be submitting to the elder women that are in the church. And it was really neat. It was brought out there at the conference that, uh, as I've mentioned already, that this fellowship and this um, 
these churches that have come together to make up Living Fellowship, it began in Chicago. So who do you think the mother of the church in Chicago is? Those that are you are, are spiritually speaking are go, well, it's wisdom and it's understanding and it's patience. It's all the things the Bible says. Yes, but in a manifestation here, it's Ann Rush, Rick Rush's wife. And um, I want to tell you something about what took place at this conference. God sent forth his word, helped form prayers in all of us that were there, and then answered those prayers when we were there. And Russ received such a healing. All of them, the women and the men, but the women specifically, God went after Jennifer to heal and, and to join together and to raise up. And what he did was joined the women to their husband. When I say that, they joined a unity. Not only husband and wife, but I'm talking about in ministry. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk about my wife. She's the mother of this church. You guys know that. She's the assistant pastor here in Visaya, California. That's the mother of this church. And she should be handled correctly. She should be respected. She works so hard and continually and you guys know christy she'll do anything for anybody she just she loves god with all her heart and she's a servant well i'm sure she's going to need to testify of this because i'll miss things and i know she will but before we went out there god had put it in her heart to lead the elder's wives when i say lead the elder's wife that's because god gave her a word god talked to her about things and in prayer she was specific praying she was specifically praying for rick's wife Anne rush and that god would heal her kim and and touch her and uh you should hear and you will hear Anne's testimony of what took place at this conference christy came to me and i'm talking about submission i'll give you an example of it she came to me not only as her husband as the pastor of this church the elder here in visaya and said, I'm thinking about this for Chicago, I'm thinking about that, I'm sorry, for the conference in Donnelly or Boise, Idaho, and, but I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do that, and I said, hold on a second. She said, I don't want to pastor people, I want to really do this right. And I said, well, what if God has you in a place where you are pastoring right now, and he just has you there? Be free, go speak, take what God gives you, don't worry about this pastoring stuff, that you may not fully understand right now and just give speak what god gives to you and she was like oh that's settled i said maybe you could talk something about unity and if there's one word to sum up this conference would that be it christy Daryl, the unity that god brought between us which is going to flow over and down to every single one of us was just absolutely amazing i'll tell it myself a little bit you know, we had planned, <clears throat> when the elders were talking, um, let's at least take one night <clears throat> to minister to the ladies, to let them be a part of our uh, elders conference. Because most of the time, it's not every elder's wife there. There's just a few that pick that are, can, can get away and um, be there for us to help cook and, and clean and, and all these things. And I'm a, like I said, I'm going to tell them myself. They said, well, how many meetings do you want to have with the uh, elders' wives? I said, well, that depends on how it goes. 
if there's a lot of talk and chit-chat about everything else besides God, we're going to have one. One meeting, they could join us. You know, and talk about your houses and your, and your clothes and what, Christy? Grandkids and, and all those things like that. We're going to have one meeting. But man, God showed up and he said, I'm going to join the women to the men. I'm going to join the mothers. I'm going to join the daughters. I'm going to join the, the ministry of the woman with the husband. And it's going to be one ministry. And uh, Dan kicked it off one night with all of us together. And the whole conference switched or shifted him to a unity. Every single year, we made an executive decision. These wives are going to be at this conference. They are joined with us. You know, when you look at the highest level of spirituality, it's obviously, I already shared it with you, it's Jesus. He's the head. And he, what he hears from his father, he gives to the elder. And the elder is made up, as the angel is, of male and female. You remember in the beginning, God made them, created them in his image after his likeness, made them male and female. His son took Eve from Adam's side. And if you look in Genesis, the fourth chapter, look at the beginning of that chapter. And he called their name Adam. For this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Paul addresses that in righteousness in his writings. And so the unity and the structure and the power of what God did at this conference is, is absolutely amazing. It brought so much increase. And Christy is going to be the motherless church, and she's going to lead the way. But I'm going to tell you something. Every single lady out here, I don't care how young or how old, you have such a tremendous place in God. And the, the ministry that God has given us uh, with the woman and, and joined together with the man in unity is, is absolutely amazing. And you're going to see some of that begin to take place. But I'll tell you something right now about submitting I have always, all my walk with God, all my life with God, and Tim Gallant knows this because we've, we've shared together in this many, many times, that you're always better to humble yourself and submit to God, and God will always be on your side. It's the one that says, like Burger King, I'm going to have it my way. I, uh, I'm going to have it my way or no way. Well, hit the highway because... That's not the way these things work in God. And the world doesn't teach this. They teach all kinds of perverted things. That's not God's way. Now, I will say this. If that's how you want to live your life, God bless you. Live your life that way. I'm not going to uh, degrade you. I'm not going to put you down. You have that God-given right and a right as an American citizen to live your life however you want to. But I know God. And I know God's way, and I'm not going to deviate from it. And I'm going to live it, and speak it, and preach it, and show it to you every single day of my life. Because I believe it with all my heart. Tim, it's right. It's correct. Am I going to strive with you and fight with you because you believe it another way? No, not, absolutely not. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you, and I'll preach the gospel to you. That's how I love you, is by preaching the gospel to you. Jesus told Peter, do you love me? Yay, Lord. Feed my sheep. Three times. So when you're loving somebody, what are you doing to them? You're giving them the word. You're giving them God. You're, you're 
speaking the word of God. And that's what the Lord commissioned Peter to do. Feed my sheep. Give them the word. So there is so much to say here today, and I didn't plan on saying anything that we just said right there. I'm going to get into this word with you, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Again, if you have your Bibles, Isaiah 55, we're going to begin reading in verse 8. Now this prophet Isaiah is addressing God's people, Israel, and a couple verses before he was encouraging them to come to the Lord and to seek him, and then that the wicked would forsake their way and their unrighteous thoughts, that they would return to the Lord, and that God would have mercy upon them and abundantly pardon them, Tim, for their wickedness, for their unrighteous thoughts. But in verse 8, he says plainly, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, now this is interesting, because there's a few things I really want to bring out here. He's talking about his thoughts and his ways compared to the wicked's thoughts and the wicked's ways. And you know what he does? He goes right into a parable. You guys know what a parable is, right? An allegory? One thing that stands for another, a mystery? The Bible's full of them, honestly. That's why at times people will tell you, I don't really understand the Bible, but I really like reading it. Well, keep reading it, because it's only God that gives you understanding anyways. And I've told everybody, Walker, that I've ever discipled or mentored, read the Bible because you love the Word of God. Don't read the Bible just to get knowledge, Julie, or to think that you're going to know more than somebody else, or you're going to manipulate your spouse or your children by saying, hey, this scripture says this, and that scripture says this. No, read the Bible because you love the Word of God. I said this in the last recording. I wasn't raised in church, but Aunt Diane, when I started reading that Bible, I fell madly and deeply in love with the Word of God. And, and from there, I, it manifested into a love for God himself and everything about him, his spirit, his ways, his thoughts, uh, his book, his story, his son, everything about him, Sharon. From falling in love with the word of God, it, it took off from there. And you will always have a good motive, a good intent when you do what you do just simply because you love God. You with me? Okay. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Here comes the parable. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. He's comparing his thoughts to heaven, man's thoughts to the earth. And he says, mine are, are higher than yours. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, what watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now there's a lot we could go into here, but I want you to look at and emphasize right here, Tim, that it may give seed to the sower. Did you hear that? God's thoughts, and right here he's getting ready to say, what is seed to the sower and bread to the eater? He said, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. I want to stop right there for a second. We're going to look at the parable of the sower that went forth to sow here in a minute. Jesus spoke it in three of the Gospels. He spoke it in uh, Mark, the fourth chapter, Luke, the eighth chapter, and Matthew, the 13th chapter. And these are probably some familiar things that uh, Linda has heard from us in the past over 20 years ago. We were talking about this parable, these parables back then. Why? 
Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to emphasize that today. In Mark 4, he says, if you don't know this parable, how will you know all parables? As a matter of fact, I'm going to look at each one of those just a little bit from them, and then I'm going to read the parable to you from uh, Matthew, the 13th chapter, to show you some, some tremendous things today of that. When God sows a word, like the parable of the sower that went forth to sow, we're going to see in that parable there's four types of grounds. There's wayside ground, there's stony ground, and thorny ground. Each ground means something different. And then there's the good ground. And only the good ground brings forth fruit. But I'm going to say this plainly now and then teach you into it. A lot of people think that parable is showing them that they are one of those grounds. I, I could be wayside ground that when I hear the word, I don't understand it. So the wicked one comes, which Jesus uses as a parable of fowls. And catches away that seed, catches away that word, and, and it, it brings forth no fruit. He catches it away because I don't understand, and they'll say, you know, that, that's me. That's what ground I'm in. That's my problem right now. Or then the, the thorny ground. It's he that hears the word, and the cares of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches choke that word. And I'm going to read it for you, but it doesn't bring forth any fruit. And a person will say, well, I'm so caught up in this life, in this world, and the cares of everything else, that's why I'm, I'm not bringing forth fruit. Or the stony ground. It's he that hears the word, receives it with joy. By and by, when tribulation and persecution arise because of that word that they've heard and received, um, and there's no depth of earth, the seed, it withers away, and there's, there's no fruit. But here, I want to change your perception. I want to help you with some understanding in this right now. Then you got the good ground. It's he that hears, receives the word, understands it, in a good and honest heart, with patience, brings forth fruit. Everybody goes, that's the one I want to be. But look at this in a little different way. Because we're talking about experiencing God. First thing is, is when a, a word is sown, it comes forth from the very mouth of God. Let me read that to you again. He said, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. Did you hear that? The word, Julie, for if somebody is sowing, that word comes forth from the mouth of God, and it is not going to return to him void. God has purpose in sending that word like I'm speaking to you here today. There's purpose for that. It's the will of God that you hear the word, Tim, from his mouth, and you sow it. Or what am I saying here? You speak it. You speak it. What's the ground? It's our hearts. So that seed, that word is sown in their heart. And, and a lot of times people look at that parable without understanding. And they type themselves. And they say, well, I am one of those grounds. But how about this? It just said the word went forth out of his mouth. That's how the, the sower gets seed to sow. That word is not sent by a mistake. In other words, it wasn't an accident that it fell on wayside ground or stony ground or thorny ground. The word that is sown is sent there to discern that and to teach you, to give you understanding on what that ground is or what could be working in a, in a, in a heart of a child of God or in an individual, Tim, that needs to turn still of God from their wicked thoughts and their wicked ways. But it's not that to condemn you 
it's not going to return into him void. The seed is sent out into that ground to say, hey, this is what type of ground it is. I'm going to let you experience that word. The seed is going to show you what ground it is, whether it's wayside, stony, thorny, or good ground. And then when you understand it, that returns back to the Lord. Another word, Julie, mission accomplished. You say, but I only want the good ground. Well, then you only want a part of God. Because we need to understand it all. And if he's sending his word, it's not going to return into him void. Tim, he sends it out with great purpose. So when you experience that word, now you understand this is how wayside ground works. This is how stony ground works. This is how thorny ground works. This is how good ground works. Lord, I understand. I experienced your word. I experienced the purpose of you sending it forth, that it came forth from your very mouth. It didn't return void, did it? Did you see what else I said? He said, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return and be void. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper. Huh? You mean when God sends a word to me, and that word identifies and teaches me what wayside ground is? There's going to be a prosperity in that? There's going to be an increase? You do understand that God is all about increase, don't you? And no, I am not talking about money right now. I am not talking about the dollar. I'm talking about an increase of God, Jim, magnifying the Lord. More love, more peace, more joy, more kindness, more faith, more of everything, more of Jesus Christ. Do you know who said it so well? Nobody says it better than Jesus. But the Apostle Paul, Daryl, said, I sow, Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. That's the prosperity. God gives the increase. So where does it start? God sends forth a word from his very mouth. And he gives it to a sower. You do realize that we're sowing here today, don't you? Huh? You do realize that how you hear is what ground that seed is going to sow on. But it's not there to say you're that ground. It's there to teach you the ground. The word manifests. The truth. So take all condemnation away. Take all lies away. It's interesting. I was on the phone with an individual that's in state prison in uh, California here. He's doing a 12-year to life sentence for it was either six or seven felony crimes committed. The first time ever he said to me, I got a couple questions for you. He's always telling me, telling me, telling me how he knows everything and how righteous he is and how everybody else doesn't understand. Well, guess what? I'm not in prison for life. Let's look at a manifestation here real quick, you know? He said, the first question is, what is the problem with the church today? Why are so many people falling away? Why do people have trouble believing God? And without missing a beat, I said, it's very simple. The spirit of this world blinds the minds of them that believe not. I said that the spirit of this world says one thing, the opposite of God, and it deceives, Daryl, and it seduces. It doesn't walk in the thoughts and the ways of God. 
um, it, it's the spirit of this world that works in the children of disobedience to cause them not to listen to God, not to follow God, but to go their own way and do things the way they want to do. Even today, in this very age we're living in, have you ever read in the book of Judges where every man did that which was right in his own eyes? Have you ever read the scriptures and Proverbs? It's in there twice. It says, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Why would God allow all this to go on? Why don't he can just take control, wipe everything out and say, righteous? Because you wouldn't learn. You wouldn't understand. He's allowing you to be subjected to these things, and he's gave you a free will choice to choose like I have. It's your way. It's the best way. I'm going to submit. I'm going to follow. And I can see the other ways. He's let me experience these other ways. So I told him plainly, the spirit of this world works very hard to seduce and deceive. If you look at the life of Jesus in John the 8th chapter, the 44th verse, there were some Pharisees come there to condemn Jesus. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe he was the word of God. They didn't believe he was God manifest in the flesh. They didn't believe he's the way, the truth, and the life. So something very important took place there in the 46th verse. Jesus says to them, well, in 44, he tells them, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a liar from the beginning. He abode not in the truth. He was a murderer from the beginning. I am paraphrasing. You can look it up for yourself in your own time. He said, when he speaketh, he speaketh a lie, because Julie, he speaketh of his own. He said, there's no truth in him. Jesus told those Pharisees, they were of their, their as children, they had the wrong father. He was a devil. And then he manifested him, Jennifer. And this happens so often. I want you to take heed to my words right now very carefully. He said, which of you convinceth me of sin? Jesus had no sin. It is absolutely impossible to convince him of something that's not true. Are you with me? Just think, Rick, if we could walk that way. If, if we don't have pride, if we don't have fear if we don't have lust but a spirit comes by to condemn us summer and tell us yes you are a bad person yes you are lost but like jesus if it's not true it would be impossible to convince us of those things so i showed him that people have trouble believing god because this spirit called satan comes along as an adversary as a slander and an accuser and even after Jesus Christ has come into your life and said, you're mine, you're a believer, you're a disciple, however you want to say it, you're a Christian, you're, you are mine, that spirit comes back, Aunt Diane, and it, it tells you to believe a lie. It, it convinces you of sin. You know what he said to me, Aunt Diane? He said, wow, that's really good. It appears that you're a step ahead of me in these things. And I thought, wow, that's the first sign of humility I've seen ever. <laughs> and he was, he was very thankful. Um, you know, we try to help anybody and everyone we can. Gosh, there's so much to say here. Read that parable. Take a look at it. And you'll see that, Tim, there's a sower. What he sows is what he gets from the mouth of God. It's sent out in the truth of God, Daryl, is to manifest and teach you these grounds so you will understand. And you really need to experience all four. You need to understand all four. So I only want the one. 
I only want the good ground. Let me tell you something. When you understand the wayside ground, when you understand the thorny ground, when you understand the uh, wayside, stony, thorny, the, guess what? When you understand those three grounds, that is good ground. You get it? You experience them, Jim. The word manifests them. You understand them. It's all good. It's not God condemning you and saying you are that. It's him exposing you to it to teach you. Isn't that awesome? That's a good God, Summer. That's, a, that's an amazing God. But when it's taught perverted, and when it's taught without understanding, Daryl, it convinces you of sin. And that's the wrong spirit, folks. I hope I've made that clear here today. Any questions? We're going to pick this up next week. I don't want to rush it. All four? That's what makes it all good. That's exactly what I said. See, his word will not return unto him void. It wasn't an accident that the seeds fell on those other three grounds. <laughs> it was there to increase you. It was there as his word sent forth out of his mouth, not going to return void, but it will prosper in the thing whereunto he sent it. Amen? Amen. You know, as John said, and I'm pretty sure it's in the uh, second John, but he said, beloved above all things, listen to me closely, beloved above all things, I would that you prosper, Kim, and be in health, even as your soul prospereth. What? God wants me to be healthy? Absolutely. Even as your soul prospereth. Where's God prospering you? Does he want you to, to live a good, healthy life? Absolutely. Even as your soul prospereth. God's a spirit. And, he, and he's working on you. Body, soul, spirit. He's not leaving anything out of this equation. Amen? Any more questions before we go today?